Amen. Thank you, Connie, for that. Well, did anybody notice, uh, happen to notice a tumbleweed anywhere this week? Um, man, I was seeing them all over the place as I was driving down the road. Last week, we started the series Planted, and in the first message, if, if you somehow missed it, we uh, contrasted the, the wilderness plan that is blown with the wind and blown with circumstances and blown with feelings and emotions uh, with the tree that God has planted by the rivers of water. And let's head back over to Psalm 1 this morning for a text passage and for a reading. Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Today we're going to talk about fruit. And let's pray. Father, we thank you for this passage of Scripture that is alive today, that is living through Jesus Christ. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God would apply it to our hearts in a special way. We thank you for each person who is here, and we know that there's not one person here today by accident. You've brought us together for a purpose, for a reason, to hear the Word of God. And so I pray that you'd work in a mighty way, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you listen to this song, please? When he moves among us, all that he does, all of his mercy, all of his love. If the pen of a writer could write every day, even this world could never contain how I've been blessed. Warmth in a winter, flowers in spring, laughter of summer, the changing of leaves, food on my table, and a good place to sleep. Clothes on my back and shoes on my feet, I have been blessed. I have been blessed, God so good to me. Precious are His thoughts of you and me. No way I can count them. There's not enough time. So I'll just 
thank Him for being so kind. God has been good, so good. I have been blessed. Arms that will raise, a voice that can talk, hands that can touch, legs that can walk, ears that can listen, eyes that can see. I've got to praise Him as long as I breathe. I have been blessed. A mother and father, nurtured and raised, sisters and brothers, memories made. Our pastor to lead us, this altar to pray, stripes that can heal, the blood that still saves, I have been blessed. I have been blessed, God's so good to me. Precious are his thoughts of you and me. No way I can count them. There's not enough time. So I'll just thank him for being so kind. God has been good, so good. I have been blessed. We live in a country, the greatest on earth, where the flag stands for freedom and what it is worth. She stands in a harbor, Miss Liberty calls. All have given some, but some gave it all, so we could be blessed. He's my shoulder to lean on when I am down. The rock where he leads me when I'm overwhelmed. The place where he hides me under his wings. He's not just a song. He's the reason I sing. I have been blessed. I have been blessed. God's so good to me. Precious are his thoughts of you and me. No way I can count them. There's not enough time. So I'll just thank him for being so kind. God has been good, so good. I have been 
Amen. Thank you, ladies, for that. And we truly have been blessed, haven't we? Amen. We sure have. Uh, I was noticing Sharon's still got a little bit of a southern accent when she sings. Yeah, and I think it's because uh, when she was three weeks old, we moved from the great north of Missouri to Oklahoma. And uh, that, that ruined her for a good many years. Now, she's lived in Idaho for a few years, and she's starting to get back to that northern syntax. Um, but, but it's taken a while. But I appreciate that song this morning. Um, from, from the powerful psalm that we've keyed on, uh, we especially want to look at verse number 3. And uh, the phrase in verse 3, we, we saw obviously last week, planted by the rivers of water. But, but look at this next phrase. That bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Now, if you go with me to John chapter 15 in the New Testament. So over to the New Testament, to the fourth gospel in John chapter 15. I'd like to read some of the passage here in John 15 and combine it with what we've read back in Psalm 1. So look at John chapter 15, and we're going to take some principles from this passage, and we'll combine it all together. John 15, verse number 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. So Jesus is the true vine. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. And uh, so, so here we have this remarkable passage, and we're going to come back to it in a while. But once a tree has been planted by the rivers of water, the phrase in Psalm 1, it is completely natural that the tree will bring forth fruit season after season. In fact, if a tree doesn't bring forth any fruit, that's what causes the gardener or the husbandman, as we read in this passage, great concern. In John 15, Jesus calls God the Father, the husbandman. The one who determines whether or not this branch is a legitimate branch or whether or not uh, it's a phony branch, it's a fake branch. And uh, if you notice the wording again here in John 15 verse 2, it's so uh, brutally plain. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. That's a staggering sentence. It really is. The Bible clearly teaches an eternal salvation for those who receive Jesus Christ through repentance and faith. So, so this is not talking about a loss of salvation. What this is talking about is the branches that are taken away 
are like seed in another parable. You could read this in Matthew 13. Uh, Seed that falls by the wayside. Or seed that falls on the stony ground. Or seed that falls in the thorns, it describes. There are people who have a temporary desire for God, but no authentic heart for God. They may go to church, they may even pray some type of a prayer, or they may have an interest in spiritual enrichment, but they have not really repented by faith of their sins to receive Jesus Christ. God places absolutely no value on a false profession of faith. In fact, we find later in the book of James that faith without works is dead. Um, That if you have a living faith, there will be some type of proof of life. And if there's no proof of life, it's important that you check up on your salvation. I'm not here this morning to cause you to doubt your eternal life. But let's be real about God's truth. The Bible says, He that has the Son of God has life. It does not say, he that has had a spiritual experience has eternal life. It doesn't say, he who's ever had an emotional breakthrough has eternal life. It doesn't say, he that has a feeling for God has eternal life. And so this morning we deal with reality. We deal with the reality of fruit. And let's get to it. Let's talk first about the source of the fruit. By the way, the notes are provided in your bulletin if you'd like to follow along with the message. The source of the fruit. Now, this message is not rocket science here today, all right? Fruit, we we know this, fruit is always a product of what's been planted. It always is. Um, Isaac Newton discovered that apples come from apple trees. Or maybe he discovered that when an apple falls on your head, it's gravity or something. I think he already knew that apples came from apple trees. But basically, any four-year-old knows that apples come from apple trees. Um, Apricots, or if you're from some certain parts of the country, apricots. Now, how many of you call them apricots? Okay, all right. The majority's got this one right. And if you dispute with me, then we can talk about pecans or pecans after the service. How many go with pecans? Oh, can't believe this. All right. Um, cherries come from cherry trees. We, we know the basic principles about the harvest. We are all aware that there are certain laws of the harvest that God has set forth that never change. Jesus himself explained uh, in another passage in Matthew that that thorns don't produce grapes. And the thistles don't produce figs. The tree is known by his fruit. Um, it's illogical to think that a banana comes from a pear tree. Just like it's illogical to think that a corrupt tree can ever bring forth good fruit. But we are an illogical people. We're human beings, and we do not get God's logic sometimes. And when it comes to fruits that we can hold in our hands, we get it. We hold a pear, and we say, this came from a pear tree. We hold a banana, and we say, this came from a banana tree. We hold a strawberry, and we say, this came from a strawberry tree. Right? 
Seeing if you're awake. Um, some people obviously don't know where strawberries come from, but, um, but, but when we hold it and it's tangible, we get it. Those come from certain plants. But you know, when it comes to the fruit of our lives, we miss the point. Deluded human beings think that they are basically good. By the way, this is a fundamental tenet of humanism. It is. Could I ask you something? If man is basically good, where does murder fruit come from? If man's basically good, where does rape fruit come from? Where does robbery fruit come from? Where does the lie fruit come from? I doubt if there's anybody in here who's never had a live fruit drop. Where's that come from? They all come from the sin tree. The flesh of human beings, that's where they come from. Now, there is a great humanistic lie that has pervaded American society for many, many years. Could even go back 100 or 150 years. Here's what it is. I I would almost call it the great American lie. Here's what it is. If you work hard enough, and you work long enough, you can be anything you want to be. Right? You guys have heard this one. In fact, you may have told it to somebody before. You may have told it yourself in the mirror after going to a Zig Ziglar seminar. Right? I can be top salesman of the year. I can be top salesman of the year. And if you tell yourself that ten times a day in the mirror, it's going to happen. Right? The great American lie. Here's the problem with the great American lie. Not only is it false, I told myself I was going to be 6'6 for years and it never happened. Not only is it going to be false, but it slips over into our spirituality. And what we say is, Even though I'm a human being, I can do good things. That's the great American lie. The sin tree can't do anything good. That's how plain and simple the Bible is. The sin tree can do nothing good. In fact, when the sin tree tries to do something good... God says it is like a filthy rag to him. The great American lie tells us, churchgoers, that we can be good people because we go to church and we own a Bible and we know the hymns and we hear preaching and because we may have a pretty good life. But God's word is plain. A corrupt tree can only bring forth corrupt fruit. And you take an apple tree who wants to bring forth bananas, and he can work his whole life on that. Right? He can try new fertilizer. He can add cow manure. How many of you have actually ever done that yourself? God bless you. Um, he, he could add special watering. He could put Zamzos on it. Zamzos, what's it called? Thrive, right? 
but thrive on an apple tree who wants to become a banana producer. And he could do it his whole life. And how many of you think the apple tree will ever put out one banana? Not going to happen. And yet there are people all over planet Earth today who think that if they work hard enough and long enough and use the right fertilizer and they get in the right soil and all the right stuff, that they will be able to produce a good fruit. Can't happen. It'll never happen. Your flesh will never produce a good fruit. Not going to happen. And and so, look with me now. You're not going to like this if you're one of those great American lie believers. Go to John chapter 8, and I want you to see what Jesus told the Pharisees who believed their own set of lies. They believed in their own man-made righteousness. And they thought they were dropping good fruit all over the place. And yet John the Baptist called them a generation of vipers. Doesn't sound that good to me. Jesus called them hypocrites. And some other names in Matthew 23. But look at this in John 8. If there was a place where he really gave it to them, it's in John 8, verse number 44. They did not like this, by the way. Here's what he said. Ye are of your father, the devil. And the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Now look at his next question. We miss this one sometimes. Which of you convinceth me of sin. Jesus said, point out one bad fruit that I've ever dropped. Which one of you people out there, you corrupt trees, whose father is the devil, which one of you could point out my bad fruit? Nobody could. He is the Lamb of God. He is the spotless, perfect one. His blood will never lose its power. And yet, they were of their father, the devil. And here's the part of the great American lie that we hate. We like to pick up our little baby in the cradle, from the cradle. And uh, the crown over his little baby, Brianna, she loves her uncle. I am her favorite person in the world. And this is not the great American lie. This is truth preaching truth here today. When she sees me, her face lights up like a candle. And a just, just wonderful, godly little girl. You know what? She's going to be a wonderful, good girl who's going to put forth good fruit. She's a sinner. She's a sinner. And right now, you know, the only kind of tree she is, is a corrupt tree. We don't like it. She's only a corrupt tree. That's it. It's the only kind of tree she is. And the the fruit she drops for her whole life until she meets Jesus Christ and becomes a new plant will be corrupt fruit. She is of her father, the devil. You say, Pastor, have you seen her? She's cute. She walks around now. 
She, she says words like, ball, 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 ball. She says lots of words. So, um, but, but she's a sinner. She's a corrupt tree. And so are you. And so are your kids. And so are your grandkids. God does not mince words in the scriptures. Our flesh, your flesh, is just a branch on the old sin vine that was rooted by Satan himself. Your flesh has no ability to produce good fruit. And every wicked thought, every vile imagination, every selfish motive that you have, all of them are fruits coming from the sinful heart of man. And so this plain, your flesh can't produce any good fruit because your flesh is a corrupt tree. Now, the moment you become a child of God, this is where the news gets good. The moment you become a child of God, your spiritual nature is born. Jesus said to Nicodemus, she must be born again. See, you, with your vile, human, corrupt tree, you'll never produce godly fruit. So you have to be born again as a spiritual plant. A spiritual tree, we saw last week, rooted and built up in Him, in Jesus Christ. And when that happens, you become a branch out of the true vine that we just read about. Now, this, this is where it, it gets amazing, because if you're a branch on the true vine, what is the only type of fruit you can produce out of that plant? Good. Jesus can never do anything wrong. And so if you are a branch attached to Jesus Christ, you can't ever do anything wrong. You say, well, that sounds good, Pastor. I never do anything wrong. I'll get to you in a minute, okay? Um, but listen to me, it's impossible for our spiritual nature to put out a sinful product. Talks about this in 1 John a lot. Your spiritual nature is Christ in you, as it says in Colossians 1. So, so let's review this. The source of all corrupt fruit is a corrupt tree. The source of all good fruit is a good tree. And without Christ, it is impossible to bear good fruit. So we've got the source of the fruit. Now, let's talk about the statement of the fruit. We'll go a little farther. What does the banana at your grocery store say to you as you walk by? That doesn't literally say anything, but let's be fig figurative for a minute. And uh, here's what I think it says. It says, I came from the chicken the Chiquita banana farm. Right? That's what it says. I came from the Chiquita banana farm. Why? Because it has the sticker on it. You know it's a Chiquita banana. What does the pineapple say? It says, I came from the Dole Plantation. Right? Anybody ever been to the Dole Plantation? They have the best ice cream there. It's called a, a Dole Whip. And it comes from the Dole Plantation. It is unbelievable. It's so good if you ever go there. Oh, I know that in heaven, God is going to have a dole machine 
that puts that stuff out. What's the apple tree say? Or not the apple tree, but the apple itself says, I'm from a Granny Smith tree. Or I'm a Red Delicious. Or I'm a Fuji. Well, I'm a Honeycrisp. Every fruit has an identity that makes a statement about the plant that it came from. And did you know that your fruit describes you? Your fruit describes you. You know when certain people in your family do certain things. I always know when our son Cody makes eggs. Now, now he makes good scrambled eggs. But he always leaves his mark all over the top of the stove. And there's egg everywhere. Um, Some people make goodies for the pasture from time to time. And that is a good fruit that can only come from a good tree. Right? Some people make me goodies. and Imagine that. Now you know why I'm so big. But but I can discern uh, the origin of certain dishes because of this. Ah, Nestle Toll House recipe. Uh, or, ah, Schwan Man cookie recipe. Or, ah, a homemade flaky crust instead of a store-bought uh, crust. And uh, I know when I'm tasting certain people's things. My, my little sister Sharon makes a certain dessert. Now, when we were kids, we called it Delight. Isn't that a good name for a dessert? That's what every dessert should be, a Delight. That's preaching. I don't know where the amens were on that, but that's one of the best things I've said. I come prepared to amen myself. All right, so she makes this stuff delight, and it's got a hard crust at the bottom, and it's best with pecans in it. Now, she fails to do that sometimes, and um, that's not good fruit. But you put that stuff, and then you put a layer of cream cheese. Uh-huh, right? God's speaking to our hearts right now. And and then you put, I think, some whipped topping, and you put some pudding. Chocolate pudding is the best. And then you put some whipped cream over the top, and then you sprinkle some nuts across the top of that thing. And you put that in the fridge for about 20 minutes, and you pull that out out after a good pot roast meal. That's good fruit. It's good fruit. Now, my wife makes some things that only she can make. Now, we buy these things at, at... Costco, the, I don't even know how to say the word, the Ghirardelli brownies. Yeah, just exactly. That's what I was, but you know what? When she makes those brownies, even though it's from a box, she does something special. I don't know what the secret recipe is that she does. She like doubles the chocolate or something. Those are the best brownies known to man. And when you put a good scoop of, You put a good scoop of vanilla bean ice cream, preferably from Briars, on top of that steaming hot Jira do whatever brownie with the special ingredient. It's incredible. It's a delight. It's a dessert. I can tell when I'm eating certain people's food. I know when I'm eating. Banana bread that's been made by Gail Rocklitz. There's some type of secret family ingredient that she uses. And it's unlike any other banana bread. It cries out to me. See, the fruit has been given the DNA of the plant. The fruit is unable to go against the source code of the tree. It belongs to the tree. 
And so the fruit wants what the tree wants. It grows only in an environment where that kind of tree grows. It seeks what the tree seeks. And it thinks what the tree thinks. And when harvested, it yields new plants that have the same DNA. You could take a simple discussion on fruit, and you could understand that macroevolution has never happened. Jesus is just talking about fruit. Every creature, including plants, is designed and made by God. And once again, you don't see any apples that are mutating into bananas. You don't see any watermelons that are trying to grow legs so they can eventually become pears. The fruit has no control over what type of plant it becomes. It is a product that makes a statement about its source. And could I just tell you again, just, just to throw this out there, a sin fruit can never seed out and become a good tree. A good tree, for a good tree to be birthed, it has to come from a good seed. has to. You, the sinner, cannot transform yourself into a child of God. You have to be born again as the new spiritual creature. And when you become a new creature, born again in Christ, your spiritual nature can never seed out and drop carnal fruit. And so we have a dilemma here. This is the dilemma we have. If you're a Christian, you're not going to like this. You are two plants in one body. You're two plants in one body. You are the old carnal tree that can only drop carnal fruit. And you are the new spiritual tree that can only drop spiritual fruit. And there's a struggle every day in your soul, multiple times a day, as to which tree is going to bear fruit. Hey, you could... Read your Bible in the morning, walk with God, be excited, go to work and drop a box on your thumb and drop a corrupt fruit. Good trees don't bring forth corrupt fruit. It's a scientific fact. And so what that means is, even though you're a Christian and you're a good tree in Jesus Christ and you are perfectly sanctified forever, in God, And when he looks at you, all he sees is the blood of his son. You still have the old man in you. You still have that old, miserable, rotten tree that can only drop bad fruit. And your soul, the very core of your being, is the arbiter, the decider of which tree is going to grow. Which tree is going to produce and there's this struggle every day in that soul of yours. The fruit that comes out of your life makes a statement about the tree that it came from. The Apostle Paul, who was a good tree in Jesus Christ, was a very corrupt tree outside of Jesus Christ. He tried to kill the early Christians. He called himself in the Bible the chiefest of sinners. And even after he became a child of God in Romans 7, he said, That which I would, I do not. That which I would not, 
That I do. And then he said this mind-numbing statement. In my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Nothing. And so you're two trees sitting right here today. If you're a child of God. If you've never been born again, you don't even have a spiritual tree. You could not possibly produce any good fruit in your life ever until you have a spiritual tree. And so there's a struggle that's going on. But, but as we begin to talk about the process of this, let's see the season of the fruit. The season of the fruit. So if I'm not abiding in Christ, John 15 says it, I'm not growing as a spiritual plant. But when I live and remain in Christ, my life begins to rapidly change. I want what the vine wants. I go where the Spirit goes. I seek what the Father seeks. I think what my Savior thinks. And when I'm abiding in Jesus, I begin to reflect the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Like a beautiful blossom. Now, this isn't my fruit. This is His fruit showing forth in me. And that flower is going to turn into something. Right? It's beautiful in the springtime to see the fruit trees give their blossoms, right? Isn't that beautiful? Um, I love cherry blossoms. And I always like to walk by strawberry plants and see all their beautiful little flowers. You know, you know what that flower says? That flower says to you that in season, that that flower is going to produce a fruit of the plant. That flower on that tree says, that's going to become something when you see that blossom. And when the Holy Spirit is shining through in your life and in my life, when the fruit of the Spirit is evident in our lives, you know what that's showing? Fruit's about to happen. Spiritual fruit is about to happen. It's an indicator. And we're going to talk more about indicators next week when we see the leaves. But spiritual fruit is, is indicated by the fruit of the Spirit. And it, so that flower naturally becomes the fruit of the believer. You say, well, what's the fruit of the believer? Another believer. Pastor, I don't believe that. Okay, well, let me ask you this then. What's the fruit of an apple? Another apple. What's the fruit of a peach? Another peach. What's the fruit of a corn kernel? Corn. What's the fruit of a Christian? Another Christian. The seasons of our lives are many. But if we will abide in Him and we'll allow the Holy Spirit to shine in us, in each season of life, God allows the spiritual tree to bear fruit. I love to hear stories of boys and girls uh, here from Centennial, from our ministry and church and school and daycare, um, who tell their friends in the neighborhood or their classmate at school about Christ. And it's so fun to hear them be excited about that. And you know, they don't have any shame in it. They run in the house, and they're eight years old, and they say, you know what? I just told the neighbor boy that if he dies without Jesus, he's going to hell. You're like, whoa! Where's he, what's his mom's number? <laughs> right? We've got to be careful how we say that. But kids are just blunt with the truth. 
You know, somebody else was blunt with the truth. I think his name was Jesus. Right? He said, if you don't believe in me, you are eternally dead. You're condemned already. And so kids, in that season of life, they're so excited about who their Savior is. And in this season of their lives, they should bear fruit if they're attached to the vine. It's spiritually natural for them to do that. It's natural that that, that that flower would come out of the Holy Spirit in their lives and blossom into a spiritual fruit. Um, when young people are concerned with the eternal outcome of their friends and acquaintances, that is God allowing them to bear fruit in a season of their lives. But don't get me wrong. There are young people who have brought uh, people in their 70s, their 80s, their 90s to the Lord. I, I know young people who have, God is allowed to do that. But young people have a seasonal influence with teens their own age. How many of you find this statement to be true? Teens may not listen to adults. Don't let my kids see. Teens may not listen to adults. And you know, teens may not listen to adults when it comes to God, especially. Because they've, they feel like they've got to think it out on their own. And if I don't experience it, and if I don't reason it out on my own, it may not be true. Well, that's complete hogwash, right? It doesn't make any sense at all, but they just don't know that yet. And uh, that's why they're so passionate about what they think. But, but teens, you know, they begin to process this. And uh, when they think about what their peers talk to them about, they begin to show forth the Holy Spirit. They show forth that flower that Jesus Christ allows in their lives, and that will someday blossom as fruit. I had a young lady this week come and ask me some questions to share with a friend who's a skeptic regarding God's Word. You know, that's just fruit that's ready to come out. And you are in a season of your life right now, every one of us is, God has given you influence in that season to bear fruit. If you're His child and you're abiding in Him, you will naturally bear fruit. Go with me to Psalm 92. I ran across this passage the other day as I was thinking about this message and uh, boy, this really blessed my heart to, to see this. Psalm 92. It's a great psalm. Um, good psalm for Thanksgiving time of year. It's a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. But I want to go down to verse number 12. Look what it says. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat, flourishing. I think that's spiritually fat. Um, to show that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. God doesn't want any of his branches to dry up with age. He keeps them green and vibrant, healthy, bearing fruit. Some of the greatest heroes of the faith outside of Scripture and inside of Scripture, were people of mature age. My grandmother's here this morning. She's 91 years old. She has a ministry that she's still active in where she sends spiritual liter literature to people in prison and corresponds with them about how to know Jesus Christ. 
That's, isn't that amazing? Uh, seriously, her hands are, are aged and feeble and can barely write the letters, but she still works at it. And she's been doing that for many years. And when I look in the Bible, Moses was 80 years old when God called him at the burning bush. Abraham had his promised son when he was 99 years old. And look, I'm only 40, and I don't really appreciate the Abraham comments, okay, that some of you are making. Uh, I'm a little tired of that now. So you can get past the Abraham comments, just a little free side there. Um, Jacob was, was in his 70s when he determined to follow God. Hey, Noah was 500 when he started building the ark. Top that. Right? He's 500 when he started building the ark. You have no excuse not to bring forth fruit. And the pressure is not on the branch to bear fruit. Fruit is a natural extension of being attached to the vine. I love the passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 where Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. See, God's the one who gives the increase. It's not the branch. It's the vine who gives the increase. I've never walked into an apple orchard. This would be surreal if it ever had, but I've never walked into an apple orchard and hear the trees saying, I dropped more fruit than you. Right? You only dropped 418 apples this year. I did 429. Right? But as human beings who are supposedly Christians, we sometimes worry more about the quantity of each other's fruit than we do about being attached to the vine. And when I see Christians who are more worried about somebody else's fruit, you know what usually happens? They start dropping corrupt fruit all over the place. Corrupt fruit does not come from God. It comes from your flesh. And to compare yourselves among yourselves, to attain some level of spirituality, the Bible says it's not wise. And if it's not wise, it therefore must be foolish. You know who drops fools or foolishness as a fruit? Corrupt trees. The fleshly tree inside of you is the one who wants to compete with another believer. Adoniram Judson was a missionary back in the 1800s, and he went to Burma, um, which is east of India there, and at a, now they call it Bangladesh. Um, but Adam Judson went to Burma, and he began to try to witness to the, to the Burmese people. He was there for seven years, seven years before he had one convert. Seven years. And the people back in England said, what are you doing, man? You should be having converts all over the place. And he just kept being faithful. His wife died. And one of his kids died. He kept working. He translated the Bible into Burmese. And now, do you know in that part of the world, there are hundreds of thousands of Christians that grew out of that branch that was attached to the vine. And have you ever seen a tree where it has weird shape? 
like, whoa, what happened there? Like all the other branches are this long, and then there's a branch that's like seven feet long and has one leaf on it. What happened that? You know, we're all different. God made us different, and we're attached to the vine, but we're not exactly the same in how we think and how we do things. But God gives the increase. It's a natural extension of the vine. And let's talk about the success of the fruit a little more as the last thing. Fruit bearing is an indicator of true discipleship. And as we've seen, Jesus explained that all authentic branches bear fruit. But I want you to remember now, don't forget this, you still have the sin tree in your heart. And it would like to grow some more. When you're not abiding in Christ, everything that you do will amount to what the Bible calls wood, hay, and stubble. Or another term for it is nothing. It'll amount to nothing. Jesus said it in John 15. You read it, verse 5. He said, without me, you can do nothing. So your fleshly plant that is growing in you right now today can produce absolutely nothing for the kingdom of God. Not one thing. And yet, it's the plant we spend a lot of time on. We worry about how it looks and how it dresses and all the different things about it. Unfortunately, many of God's branches don't abide in Him. They stop by for a visit once a week at church. Or maybe once a month they stop by, Hey, Vine, how you doing? Or some, some drop by at Christmas and Easter to wave at the vine. And here's the deal. If you just visit the vine instead of abide in the vine, you will rarely exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. And if you rarely exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, you can't produce spiritual fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is the flower that becomes fruit. People around you notice that you're in contact the vine. But the works of the flesh become evident in a life like this. And your fruit will make a statement about what kind of tree you are. If you're a child of God, you have a spiritual DNA that wants to seek the kingdom of God. And this process in John 2 is so simple. All authentic branches bear fruit. I want to just close by looking at John 15, just a few verses once again that complete this thought for us today. Verse number 2, John 15. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And we see that happening. People begin to follow the lust of the world, and they give up on their profession of faith. Um, people are, are sidetracked by pleasures, or a trial comes in their life, and they say, well, if God wasn't good enough to take care of my sister or my aunt or my brother then I'm not going to follow him. That's not a true Christ follower. That's someone who wanted to hang around the vine because they wanted to try to get something good from him. It's a different thing than a true believer. But verse, verse 2, look at the end of the verse now. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. So when Christian maturity begins to take place, and purging happens and cleansing happens, then the branch bears more fruit. Look at verse 5. I want you to notice the wording change. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him. The same bringeth forth much fruit. So we went to fruit, then to more fruit, and now to much fruit. Look at verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So we say that again. Proof of life, all to the glory of God. Verse 16. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. If you are a spiritual plant, you have been ordained. You have been given the spiritual ability to bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain. Now, hey, not not every Christian is going to reach hundreds for Christ. Not every Christian is going to speak to stadiums full of people. The Bible says in Matthew 13, uh, But he that receiveth the seed into the good ground... Is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth. Some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So we know that there's going to be a diversity in quantity. We understand that. We won't all be used the same way. But the quality is fruit that remains. So quality is fruit that remains. Fruit that yields new plants generation after generation. No matter what season of life you're in, God has ordained you to bring forth fruit that remains. Can I go back to my introduction just for a second as I close? Here's my question today. Are you producing any spiritual fruit? If not, there has to be a question in your mind if you're a spiritual plant. Because spiritual plants bring forth spiritual fruit. God guarantees in this passage that his branches bring forth fruit. And so if you have any question or doubt about your eternity today, I hope you won't leave this place without finding the answers from God's word. Let's bow in prayer as we bow. Could I ask you this today with no one looking around? Would there be one or two or more that would say, Pastor, as you talk today, I realize that I've never had a spiritual plan in my life. I've never received Jesus Christ. I've never had the new birth. But I realize today that there's no way I could bring forth good fruit because I'm not grounded in Christ. I don't know for sure where I'd spend eternity. Would there be anybody like that this morning who just slipped your hand up? Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm a child of God. I'm not sure that I'm a spiritual plan. Christian, could I ask you this today? Do you find yourself dropping way too much corrupt fruit? Way too many wicked thoughts and imaginations? Way too many ugly words and anger, unforgiveness, bitterness, greed, Lust, sins of the heart. Might be good to check up on your life today. Are you abiding in Jesus Christ? Are you a branch of the true vine? Father, would you work in our lives today? I pray that we would respond according to your direction, according to your purpose in our lives. 
And we ask it in Jesus' name. Would you stand?